0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, we have now passed over the halfway point of Lent. Twenty-two days of Lent have gone by, and eighteen days of Lent remain, if you don't count the Sundays. So that's fifty-five percent of Lent is is finished, and forty-five percent of Lent still remains. This remaining forty-five percent, however, is a more intense time than the first 55% of Lent. Uh, The practice of Lent, in other words, is not even throughout the 40 days. Um, There's a greater intensification as we go on uh, in the Lenten period. So we start off on, on Ash Wednesday. We're just beginning our penitential practices. At that time we are still uh, well-fed, we've we have not been experiencing a, a regular empty stomach, um, we've not been tasting the sort of recollection that comes to us from um, our less use of technological vice, devices uh, and our abstaining as it were uh, more from, from the use of the Internet and other things that, that might dissipate us. And as Lent goes on, we, we become hungrier in our stomachs Uh, but we also become more focused and recollected in our souls. We find it easier to pray, Uh, we find that our mind turns more readily to the subject of the passion of our Lord, and we start to draw some fruits from meditating upon that passion that we did not expect, and perhaps we even find in our hearts a generosity that we did not anticipate finding there. We find that we're stronger in fasting and mortification and prayer than we had expected. We find there a greater willingness uh, to do mortification, even a desire to be underfed, to be recollected, and to shun the world. And this is all for the good. Uh, Lent is, is, is working its spiritual benefits upon us. We're able to live Lent more intensely in the second half than we were in the first half because we're into Lent at that point. And this, as I say, is a very good thing because Lent itself, the the Lenten liturgy, as designed by the wisdom of of Holy Mother Church also intensifies as time goes on. You know that next week is Passion Sunday, we will veil the statues and at Mass there will no longer be recited Psalm 42, and we start to remove some of the Gloria Patris uh, from the Mass and from the Divine Office. And then the week after that is Holy Week, when we will relive the last week of our Lord before His crucifixion and death. And you have those great ceremonies, those very intense ceremonies of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, the Paschal Vigil. And you may also know that there is a, a separate Mass for every day of Lent. The, the, the Church goes to the trouble of um, constructing Uh, a separate Mass, a separate set of propers for every single day of Lent. But if you look at these Masses closely, you'll notice that that after you cross the halfway point, after you you get to day 20 and you move to day 21, um, something striking happens in these Masses. and This is the fact that the Church um, starts choosing the Gospel of St. John for almost every single one of those masses from the 21st day of Lent up to the 40th day. So if, if you consider the masses for, for the, the 22 days from, from Friday the 29th of March this year um, to Good Friday which is the 19th of April this year, you'll find that 17 of those days have a Gospel chosen from, from the Gospel of St. John. So there's only, only five of the days you don't have the Gospel of St. John And three of those days it's just a reading of the Passion, a reading of the Passion from from St. Matthew, from St. Mark and St. Luke, Um, and two other days a reading from the Gospel of St. Luke. So I ask myself, why why does the church focus so much on the Gospel of St. John? And obviously the answer is going to be because the Gospel of St. John is better situated to prepare us for these uh, intense uh, liturgical period where we focus so much on on the passion and death of our Lord. And I think that there's really three things that the Church wants to provide us, three purposes that the Church has in these last uh, weeks of Lent uh, that that make the Gospel of St. John so appropriate for us to, to meditate upon. The first thing I think the Church wants to accomplish is to show us the benefits that come from our Lord's passion and death. Um, She's starting that really today with Laetare Sunday and the recounting of the multiplication of of the loaves, um, which is is a sign of of what um, our Lord is able to provide us and which I will return to. Um, So our Lord is going to nourish our souls, He's going to enlighten our minds, He's going to raise us from the dead, and the Gospel of Saint John recounts miracles that match up with these benefits coming from our Lord. So after this uh, Laetare Sunday where, where we read about the multiplication of, of the loaves, a symbol of, of our Lord nourishing us spiritually with His own body and blood, during this week there will also be other miracles, uh, the, the most outstanding miracles of our Lord recounted in the Gospel of Saint John to bring home to us Um, the benefits that come from our Lord's passion to us, even in the present day. You have the miracle of Him giving sight to the man born blind, a man who after receiving sight ends up believing in the divinity of our Lord, a symbol of of our Lord enlightening our minds and bringing us to the realization of of the ultimate truths. That, that Gospel it will, will appear on uh, for the Mass on Wednesday of this week. Then you have the miracle of the raising of Lazarus from the dead, a symbol of, of our Lord raising us from the death of sin, where we're in the tomb and we're stinking um, in the tomb, and so we're wallowing in our sins, and, and um, our Lord tells Lazarus to come forth. And also a symbol of our Lord raising us from the death of the grave, at the end of the world. So this gospel will appear on Friday of this week. So that's the first purpose to show us the benefits of our Lord's passion and depth, and I think the, the church really focuses on that in this week. The second purpose is to reveal to us the teaching of Christ about Himself and His passion. What uh, does, Who does our Lord think that He is? What does He believe that He's accomplishing uh, through His passion. Um, the fact that, that He's come to save us, the fact that you have to be with Him, uh, the fact that He is the true God, the, the only one who teaches the truth, who has this this revelation of God, who has the hypostatic union. And it turns out that the Gospel of, of St. John contains the words of our Lord more than any of the other Gospels. Sometimes you'll you'll hear the saints saying, I really like I prefer the Gospel of St. John before all the other Gospels because our Lord speaks so much in the Gospel of St. John. There's so so many uh, of these uh, discourses of our Lord and less of the activity of our Lord. If you want to go to the activity of our Lord, you look at the Gospels of, of Matthew and Mark especially. So, that's the second purpose we can just hear what our Lord says and he can inform us as to who he is and what he's about. And then the third purpose of the church as we draw closer to um, Holy Week is to show us how much the Jews hated our Lord and how it was this hatred that caused his passion and death. We have to see as well, not just our Lord, but the mentality of his enemies. um, What his enemies thought of him. What was their spirit as opposed to his spirit? And again, the Gospel of St. John is so appropriate for this because uh, there's these extensive, um, I I would just say the word, use the word, arguments, disputes, um, battles between our Lord and the Jews that are recounted in the Gospel of St. John. and um, The Church wants us to to see these arguments, um, to see how clearly uh, it's evident that our Lord preached the the truth to to the Jews and how they vehemently rejected his teaching and their hatred of him went so far um, that they put him to death. So there's really a lot for us to take in in these three weeks that are remaining in Lent, and as the as the Church intensifies her liturgy, hopefully, you and I are in a position to live up to that intensity because we've had a good Lent so far. We've really been getting into that spirit of Lent. And if this Lentari Sunday is anything, if if we're sort of um, taking this, this break, as it were, on Monterey Sunday, and we're really wanting to to rejoice in anticipation for the coming of Easter. It's the Church wanting to give you that extra push before these last three weeks, so that you can be especially generous um, in, in the, the next 21 days, through your mortifications, through your prayers, and through your meditation on the liturgy. So. As they say, this Sunday, and the masses which follow this week, they put before our eyes the great fruits that our Lord brings to the human race by His coming and by His death on the cross. Today's introit promises you that you're going to be filled with consolations, divine consolations, even to the point that you'll be satiated uh, with these consolations. You know, again, in, in the lives of the saints, sometimes there are some saints who, who say, Lord, please, it's too much. Stop giving me all these consolations. I can't handle so many consolations. It's, it's too much." Um, it's, it's sort of that impression that the introit gives us today. The epistle contrasts two women, one representing the Old Testament and the other the New <coughs> Testament under Christ. And the Old Testament woman was able to have children, while the, the, the other woman was not able to have children. But the Old Testament woman was a slave. She was not free. Um, but later on, the, the tables were turned, and the, 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 the woman who represented the New Testament, Sarah, she was able to, to have a child who ended up bringing forth um, a, a whole race. So to the, the descendants of Sarah were greater than the sands, number of sand, uh, sand, grains of sand on the seashore. So she who was sterile rejoiced because she had more children than the slave woman did. And this is the kind of rejoicing that will come to us, the, the great fruits that, that will come to us from being associated with our Lord and um, living the fruits of His passion. Then in the Gospel we have this proof that our Lord is able to nourish us in the multiplication of the loaves. There are five barley loaves. They're not wheat loaves. And Saint Augustine, he says, this is appropriate because um, barley is, is a much harder grain than, than wheat is. It's easy to break wheat and, and get into the marrow, but not so with the barley. Um, he says that the five barley loaves um, represent the five books of Moses, the, the Torah. Um, the first five books of the Bible. And the, the barley, as they say, is harder to crack open and reach the nourishing marrow. And the five books of Moses work in the same way. It's really hard to understand the five books of Moses and penetrate to those deep supernatural truths that are present in the first five books of the Bible. So it's hard to get to that nourishment, but our Lord comes and He breaks, as it were, the, the loaves of of the books of Moses open. Um, he, he's able to break through that hard husk of the barley and get to that nourishment and explain, as it were, the books to the people and nourish their souls, whereas they were not being nourished very much before. They were very hungry. St. Augustine says we know and he, he loves these symbols. Uh, he loves to, to, to find some, some reason for the numbers and, and for every single detail of the Gospels. The, the barley, the, the five books of loaves, the 5,000 people. He says you, it's clear that these people were under the, no, uh, the old law because there were 5,000 of them, uh, indicating that there were people under those five books of Moses and the five books which explain the Law of Moses. And our Lord was able to feed those people using only five loaves, but at the same time they weren't perfectly disposed for what he had to give them. He was not able to nourish them completely, um, says Saint Augustine, because that he gave them all this food, but they didn't eat it all. There was still plenty of food left over and our Lord had the apostles get the rest, and it turns out there were twelve baskets left. He started off with five loaves and ended up with twelve baskets of of barley loaves left after they're all done eating, twelve baskets of fragments. And it was only the apostles who lived with our Lord who were going to be taught fully because the the common people could not digest completely um, what our Lord had to offer them. So. This heavenly and miraculous nourishment is awaiting you in the rest of land. We know that our, our Lord is God. We know that He has all power. Uh, we know that He came to, to teach us the truth and, and die for our sins. So we just have to want to receive the benefits of His coming. He wants it, but we have to want it. And if you want it in... In the next three weeks, you have to be willing for the church to provide you the great benefits that come from His Passion. She gives you these three things to reflect upon. Those great benefits that come to you from your attachment to our Lord and His cross. Secondly, the words that our Lord spoke about Himself and how we have to be united with Him. And then thirdly, the great hatred of our Lord's enemies for Him and His message. I'm just going to make a, a recommendation to you um, is really the, the whole point of bringing all these things up is is to give you this encouragement and this is that you take your missile, your hand missile that you all have each day for, for the next three weeks and just read the propers of the Mass, just take you know, 10 or 15 minutes and read through the of the Mass, read through those readings that the church has specially selected the nourishment of your souls during this time of Lent. And I think if you, if you do that, if you take a little bit of time to do that each day, you will really be able in, to enter into that spirit of Lent and draw so many fruits um, from the church's beautiful liturgy. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it would be a, a wonderful thing to do, especially since you you do not have mass available during the week. And, and so perhaps you've never even seen these masses. You've never even come into contact with with these propers uh, for each day of, of the season of Lent. My dear faithful, do not let the richness of the church's liturgy pass you by so that you miss out on the real spirit of Lent. Be especially generous in these 21 days that remain before Easter Sunday. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.